Hi everyone, it's Future Jack here. I just wanted to record a very quick trigger warning at the top of this episode. Um, in this episode, if you're not guessed already, we're re- we're talking about reviewing and discussing uh, the most recent six year special, that being Wild Blue Yonder at the time of recording. Um, I just want to say that based on the episode, there are there is talk of some themes that some people might find disturbing involving self-harm and self-sacrifice so just wanted to say that there that if that's not for you um it's about signposted when we get into the episode so just skip forward a few minutes if you need to there but yeah apart from that i hope you enjoy everything you are listening to an awful lot of running a doctor who podcast And welcome to an awful lot of running presents Battles in Fandom. Woo-hoo. I was waiting for a wee from Robin there, but I heard nothing it. whatsoever. <laughs> My arms are too long. <laughs> for God's sake. Sorry, I had to go for imposter Robin. I'm sorry. It was, it was too, too irresistible. It just it just threw me completely. Just like mm. <laughs> I was expecting the woo, and then Oliver was the only one to do it. Bless him. So, yeah, yeah. Um, never let you down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, this is this is battle and fandom where Hoovians battle it out and have uh, hilarity ensuing based on uh, the arguments they have here. We did schedule a episode review today, but just events have had to. Events have transpired, which mean we have to do things a bit differently today. Uh, I am Jack, one part of your hosting team. Joining me, as always, the fuck I didn't have one ready for this. Um, Ever the professional. Well, I know. The, the Doctor and Donna to my Doctor and Donna. The Doctor and Donna to my Doctor and Donna. Amazing idea oh, how, by me. It's, how it's, how it's right, the Published door for Robin Fall. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good, thank you. I am feeling very competitive and ready to kick the asses of my fellow competitors tonight on this battles and fandom. Yes, it's it's very cool that you're stepping into the ring for the first time. Uh, joining us, uh, returning guest, friend of the show, fantastic uh, zine creator and fan writer. It's only Catherine Wheeler. It's me again in your ears on this podcast. You may know me, you will know me. Hello again. I mean, <laughs> at, at this point, you know, we all know in the world you are the only female uh, fan yes. of Doctor Who, as we all I know am, it's me. radio. 
it's yes. just you because because girls don't like Doctor Who apparently. So no, just you. Josh Carr certified as well. Josh Carr was there. Yes, yes. Yeah. Josh Carr. His favorite character is Dalek. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Joining us as well for the first time ever, another friend of the show, very good friend of mine as well. It's. The man who is going to be giving us a Lego reconstruction of Celestial Toymaker at some point. <laughs> a superstar cosplayer as well, if you're into that scene. It's only Oliver Smith. Thank you very much. Uh, you forgot sex icon, but that's okay. <laughs> and I'm feeling well, very I'm... sus. I think there's an imposter among us. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, uh, it is very interesting uh, when you know, you're here batting when one of your favorite episodes is victory of the daleks oh, oh right listen here man like <laughs> i am uh, I, will I will be back we'll with save that. that thank you right this round of battles of fandom is talking all about the most recent episode wobbly yonder and round one let's go ding, ding, ding. okay this 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 is where I can drop the uh, I can drop the facade here. And we're not we're not doing battles and fandom. This isn't that's not what's happening here. This is going to be our coverage and our review of Wild Beyonder by Russell Z Davis, the second of the sixtieth specials, starring uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate, as well as two redacted guest stars, David Tennant and Catherine Tate. What a twist! Yes, very twisty, very twisty, mm. very twisty. Yeah, yes. Okay, well, I, I think it's uh, I think it's important maybe that we just get into things first off. Uh, I'm going to come to Kat very first of all. Uh, before we even talk about the episode and start reviewing it, how have you felt about the 60th and the celebrations uh, themselves of Doctor Who? Um, I think I've had very mixed feelings. So uh, I've talked about it a lot. Um, I don't particularly like the fact that David Tennant and Catherine Tate are back as a concept. I don't think it's it's a move I'd like to see in the show. Um, I think for 60th anniversary, it's a, it's very odd. It's unprecedented, and unprecedented isn't necessarily bad. However, as someone who's, whose favourite series isn't Series 4, it, it's weirded me out a little bit, and I dislike the potential direction... Uh, or the potential precedent this could set. So as a whole, I'm going into this episode having not liked the Starbeasts, oh, a bit wary, wow. a little bit wary. That does actually, I was going to ask you very briefly about what your thoughts on the Starbeast were, so that does sort of cover that. Uh, what did you, I guess, what was it you didn't like about it, I'd say? Um, it felt, it felt off in a few ways um the first sort of being it spends a lot of time being a bit odd and I can't put my finger on it I can't quite put my finger on it there's a lot of things in there um the main thing sort of being that it felt a bit stunted it felt odd as a concept I, I, I didn't like particularly the fact that they were back um, I didn't like that Donna's. I because I love Donna's ending. It, it's such a sucker punch. It's like if she remembers me, she will die. And then they spend the episode, you know, 
if 14's like, oh, it's me sonic screwdriver. I'm the doctor. And she's standing right there, man. You're going to kill her. But for me, it felt like <laughs> sort, of a, sort of an unneeded extra chapter on what was a very nice closed ending for 10 as that doctor. And the second thing being, I won't go into it too much, but some of the, the representation, I was watching it with my friend uh, Nat, um, who is non-binary, and I sort of sat down with Nat at the end of the episode and I said, so how do you feel about that? And a lot of their opinions were that it wasn't handled in the best way. And a lot of my friends were quite confused about what Russell was trying to do. Um, but I'll leave it at that. It wasn't a hit for me. It wasn't a hit for me, but it wasn't my thing. And that's fine. But I came into World Yonder a bit, you know, a bit down on Doctor Who. That's, well, that's, well, that's, really, that's, that's really interesting. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I was about to say, well, that's been a fucking mood dampener. So, uh... <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was only saying it's really interesting because I feel like, and this is going to be a really interesting conversation because I feel like me and Kat have had very different opinions about the first episode of the Star Beast. Um, it's interesting because you were saying season four is not your favourite one, correct? Yeah. It's, it's And it's really funny because for me, season four is definitely like one of my favourites, one of my highlights. And I think for me as a fan of Doctor Who, it was seeing my favourite Doctor and my favourite companion coming back that really brought about this excitement and this kind of rejuvenation for the series which while I absolutely loved Flux I do feel like the last two seasons well I've warmed up to them certainly like over like the last couple of months it still wasn't like my favorite seasons which we've discussed in the podcast and everything um I won't go into too much details we'll talk about Wild Blue Yonder but I'm just I find it really fascinating how fans can be attracted to different things about the show and I think for me and I think this was probably a deliberate move to get back general audiences a lot of people um really loved those first few seasons and you kind of saw them kind of dip out a bit once David Tennant left which like that's that's a discussion in itself but that's just the general consensus of a lot of people being like we love David Tennant. David Tennant is just such a phenomenal actor, and it's always going to be such huge fills to shoot uh, to fill whenever any Doctor leaves. I was actually really sad when Jodie left. I was like, no, I don't want her to leave. So when it was uh, David again, I was like, okay, this is probably a deliberate move, and it was something that I got into. Um, how about yourself, Oliver? What what are your kind of thoughts on? The 60th. I was going to say, let me, let me, I was going to say, let me jump on that. What have you felt about the 60th celebrations themselves? And obviously, we're not just talking about the 60th specials, but we're talking about the universe releases and different things like that. Mm. I've, oh, yeah. I mean, I love how we've asked Oliver a question, Robert, and then you've decided to go in and start <laughs> yeah. asking it yourself. <laughs> No, right. no, I want it to be me. Just me, okay? Well, so far, I've really been enjoying the series for 15th anniversary specials. Hang on. 
What's that? They're the 60th ones. Oh, well, shit. Okay, so um, <laughs> going off from that gag, um, I'm very much the same as Cat. I literally, I remember when we were getting all the, you know, little emojis all over social media about who was coming back and what googly-eyed monsters we'd be seeing on our screens. And I was literally sitting there refreshing it anytime I wasn't at work or with uni or something. And I was like, come on, Matt Smith, come on. And it's so it's come around. And I think, you know, a lot of stuff I haven't enjoyed on a first viewing. Now, I had a pretty, I had a, a load of bad situations before Star Beast, so maybe that influenced it. But I think, you know, I think there's been sort of misdirection from Russell T Davies on certain things, and I think that's altered people's expectations, and then it sort of failed to deliver. So, for example, with uh, Destination Scarrow, the first uh, on-screen Fourteenth Doctor thing. Um, he gave us a post that morning saying, this is not a comedy sketch. This is a proper thing. And it was a comedy sketch. Like you had a comedian playing Mr. Castavillian, which is a really camp name. Love it. But um, I, I, I didn't I didn't rate the guy's acting. And the uh, naming of the Dalek scene went on far too long, in my opinion. So just brushing past that quickly, because otherwise we'll never get onto the actual episode itself. I think that um you know like i said i had a bad day when i first watched the star beast but on rewatch i was like this is pretty good it's at best a sort of six at six seven out of ten because it's it's very much targeted at series four fans and it's a little bit underwhelming for anyone else and i think it was very underwhelming on how it was resolved and it kind of, for me, I think it damages Journey's End in retrospect, like how Journey's End damages Doomsday, because all of the narrative weight of that finale is gone. But yeah, coming into Wild Blue Yonder, I was like, maybe I'm a bit too harsh, but we've got past all the flim flam. We're getting into the actual run of it. And I think from the get-go, I was just like, uh, it's like, I don't think the comedy really works as much as it used to. But I'll, I'll get into that, obviously, when we go into our main discussion about the episode. But <clears throat> for how I feel so far overall, I think expanded media-wise, so not the main show, I think has clinched it this year. Like, I think for the 14th Doctor stories, I although I wasn't overly keen on it because it felt a bit too stop-starty, really, I think Liberation of the Daleks is still the best one. Uh, Tales of the TARDIS was great. And I've got to admit, for a 60th anniversary celebration, although it wasn't as good as it could have been, Big Finish have kind of taken the win with Once and Future. And oh, this might change, obviously, when the giggle comes out. But so far, I'm I'm leaning more towards Once and Future as sort of the definitive 60th anniversary special. 
So that's 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 interesting. I say it, it's it's really good to hear. You know, because our thoughts on the Star Beast last week with with Joshua and with Jack as well were very overwhelmingly positive. So it's really good to hear the other side of it there because I think it's important to say that whereas we may review something positively or negatively, the opinions, you know, unless you're being a dickhead, your opinion is valid. So thank you for that, both of you, honestly. It's really, it's it's nice to hear those different points of view on it, definitely. Mm. Um, I suppose what you're saying there, Oliver, does lead us into uh, the, into, I was about to say the Star Beast, <laughs> then <laughs> into Wild Blue Yonder. Okay, so <clears throat> from the off, Oliver, I'll come back to you in a second because you had very, very strong opinions on it when you first watched it, which have mm. only sort of slightly improved as you've rewatched it now. But uh, Robin, I'll come to you first. Um, okay. Wild Yonder, yay or nay? Yay. I, I really liked it, I did. Now, I've only seen it once. I haven't had the luxury of being able to watch it multiple times. I haven't been able to watch uh, The Star Beast multiple times either, but definitely really high up there and i guess we'll be leaving our scores towards the end of the episode or yeah okay cool awesome okay so but, but like yeah you were impressed uh, to say the least yes yeah definitely it's it's a very different episode to the star beast and it's in it's interesting because i've gone from a real hive star beast being like rejuvenated with doctor who or regenerated is the more appropriate term a bunch thank you very much um and um it's just being like oh yeah i get to watch doctor again on a saturday night that is insane it's so exciting and so while beyonder it really does throw a curveball at you being so tonally different and you're like oh yeah oh shit i almost forgot doctor who can just be entirely different sometimes with its episodes <laughs> um and that's a good thing, you know, it gives us something to look forward to and keeps us on our feet. Totally, totally. It's it's what I look for in Doctor Who and what I've always said as a showrunner, if I ever was was showrunner, I would look to do things a bit more experimental. You know, mm. even harkening back to like to like classic big finish, just being like, right, you know, let's throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Sticks, you know, like, yeah. Let's do, yeah. A, let's do let's do a black and white episode. Let's do <clears throat> high concept sci-fi episode let's do a silent episode you know let's do all that sort of stuff and while yonder was i felt it quite interesting because before it um uh you know we we barely had any trailers we had barely had any footage about it and of course with it being a 60th anniversary that builds a lot of hype doesn't it you know which yeah, yeah. we'll talk about properly later as well but it meant that we went into the episode um very much blind and then the episode itself was, I, I thought it was fantastic, brilliant, and it was what I wanted. But then, it, you know, there are other things I need to think about it, which I suppose maybe I'll be able to speak about later on. But I, I was I was impressed. I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, I thought it was a very good episode. I think it's one which we're going to look back in the same sort of... Um, with the same sort of revere as we do something like Midnight or Heaven Sent you know I, and i said that initially but and i've said it again now and i'm like yeah but maybe not quite the same level you know the thing is maybe it stands out there, on its you know? own two feet it's not just yeah. a carbon copy and what i also really like about it is 
the fact that uh, sorry i've just uh something in the background there um <laughs> um no what i really like about it is the fact that it is um not only is it very different but it also um expands on those kinds of stories and also expands on existing stories which we'll get into later but it's something yeah. that i i really really like um yeah, uh, Kat, <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, Wild Boy on Diane? So, I feel like I'm on an analytical podcast. I'm being really, really brainy about this, but but going in, going in with the background of I'm skeptical about the sixtieth. I dislike this as a concept. I dislike that that David Tennant and Catherine take it back as a concept. Uh, my expectations are, are low. I go into Wild Yonder not expecting much maybe expecting a cameo because i mean russell said it himself he set it up for there to be you know there was expectation that there was a cameo mm. um and going into it i was like well it's kind of good that they've not put out any trailers i kind of enjoyed it i really enjoyed not knowing at all because we have the giggle we know what's going to be in the giggle Starbeast, we know exactly. We knew exactly what was going to happen in both episodes. We do now. I mean, you might know leaks, you might not, but you can sort of see how episode how episodes going to shape up. But for Wild Blue Yonder, totally new experience. They cut the guest cast, which I mean, did it for me. I I was, I think in Starbeast there were a lot of characters. I didn't necessarily have a problem with it, but as I look back, it kind of overloaded the episode. Having it just stripped back, had no idea what was happening, um, and it gave us a new monster. It's not something obscure from a comic like 40 years ago. It's not the toy maker from a missing episode in the 1960s. It's this thing, and we still don't even know what it is. And, I mean, putting all that aside, I sat down to watch it, um, and it, it gave me, you know, it actually engaged me, had my heart beat faster. I, I sort of, at one point, I was, I was like, <laughs> you know, um, and I wasn't expecting it. And I think, you know, having, if I'd have gone in with those high expectations for, for three cameos and having the trailers, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. But... It was original. It got us something new. And even though it wasn't what I class as a 60th anniversary, you put that in a regular series of Doctor Who, it'd be the absolute standout for me. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. And again, that all, it, we're, we're sort of skirting around <laughs> that. And it is something I'm going to come back to in a bit about the expectation of an anniversary in Doctor Who. And mm. that's something which will be, I think it'll be really important to talk about but later on. But I think really we should now hear from Debbie Downer. Oliver, no, no, please. Your opinion is completely valid. Yeah. Um, tell us your thoughts on Wild Yonder. Right. So in the words of Count Dooku, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, got to rep Star Wars because I'm wearing a Star Wars jumper, sorry. But um, no, not time for Star Wars, time for Doctor Who. 
And oh boy. So I think I, I'm, I said it on a group chat and I said, I went in with my, my expectations being really low. Like I was like, I think after 13 months of being off the air, and I think that has damaged Doctor Who. I do think that the 60th should have been spread throughout the year because I think a 13 month gap is really toxic for a show that has declined in its viewer base. I love the Jodie era. I really do. But I don't think a gap that long was good, a good idea. So well, Blue Yonder itself, um, like I said, I went in with very low expectations and somehow for me, the episode didn't even meet those. <laughs> like the thing is, I, I've said to you before, Jack, you've heard me say this. I preached this at the BFI. A lot of the time, it, regardless of the script's quality, my main thing about Doctor Who is that I have fun with it. It can be one of the worst scripts ever written, like... Picture of the Daleks. That's not a terrible script. Stop it, <laughs> you naughty boy. Um, no, for example, let's think uh, an awful scripted episode. I'd say... Ooh, I'm not going to pick a Jodie era one because I feel like people would say I'm taking cheap shots. Uh let's go for my favourite doctor and one of his weaker scripts. Um I'm gonna say Night Terrors. There we go. That's a weak script. But I have fun with it. Uh, another one. You were trashing this earlier. The Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe. <laughs> it's not great. But <laughs> I have fun with it. And that's my main thing. The issue is, if I don't have fun with a story, I become a lot more picky towards the script. And for me, there just wasn't, you know, on a first viewing, I've not been disappointed that much by a Doctor Who episode in over three years. Ooh. Like the last time I was that disappointed was Orphan 55. <laughs> and I, I just was like, what? Like I, I said this before we started. Obviously, you, sir, probably have ruined my viewing experience of it because you went, oi, Ollie, oi, Ollie. I'll tell you a little secret that I've heard if you want to. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, Jack. You know, you know my, me. Love secrets. And what does he say to me? Matt Smith and John Sim were going to be in this one. And I'm like, oh, yay. Love it. Hooray. I mean, not so much John Sim. Not really keen on him. But like I said, behave yourself. Started, <laughs> I said, <laughs> I got to the point where I was like, even if John Sim shows up, I'll be happy now. Because, and I will say the character who showed up at the end, which we'll obviously get to later, because that's a whole section in of itself. I was happy to see that. That was like, Mwah, yay. Finally, this is something I want to see. But for me, this felt like a parody of one of my favourite films of all time, which is The Thing From Another World. 
and they've said in stuff that it's obviously inspired by that but it's just not as good same way as it feels very much like the rebel flesh and the almost people but in my opinion it's not as good does it and... does it really feel like that though yeah because you have all it's the same is duplicate people and then they they sort of wash into with... goo and that's where the similarity ends and the they have stretchy body, and they have stretchy body parts. You the next one, and I mean, it's the same kind of monster. You can like yeah. the, the, all... the drama is completely different. You've got a cast. But they you've have got the better. Plot they, have, that. they have better <laughs> motives. The not things motives are. We've understood that you've got war in your universe, so we want a part of that. Whereas the ganger's motive is. We want to be treated like real people, like we have rights, like we deserve to exist, and we're not just to be killed for the sake of it. It's okay, better. okay, okay. That's right. You do <laughs> save it for battles in fandom when we're actually doing that sort of thing. Okay, um, oh, yeah. okay. Let's 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 go into the actual episode itself now. First of all, okay. Um, let's let's maybe let's talk about maybe what we felt worked or you know the merits of it. Uh, straight away, I felt the atmosphere. In the build-up was fantastic. Oh, do you know what? No, do you know what? I'm going to start with the one thing which I felt was out of place, and I think everyone has said this: the cold open. Yes, yeah, that's the top of my list. It's yeah, only jarring from the rest of the episode. Catherine is disagreeing, and I will say I I like it. I just and it and it's and it's quite nice to have sometimes that little cold open which is totally different entirely and then you get into the episode and it is you know i can only describe what i felt for the first sort of like 15 minutes until things started happening was just i just felt the anxiety and the dread in me building and building and building and building which is what i love in like a horror film uh, for example but yeah the, the opening it is very totally different uh with sir isaac newton uh, you know, I'm not even going to talk about how it contradicts, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z in a uh, Doctor Who canon by uh, by there being, you know, Sir Isaac Newton and fourteen and Donna being the ones to drop the apple on, on him. You know, let's not talk about the mavity of the situation. Uh, you, know? uh, you were uh, building up to that for was, entire yeah. minutes, there, Jack. I was, I was. It was, it was, was it that one of us had to. I think, I think I have the real. I was going to get it. I have mm. the Mavitas to talk about it, you know? Oh, uh, it's such a bad joke. Um, it's Doctor Who, Oliver. It's Doctor Who. I, yeah. I yeah. Like Doctor it, Who is a bad joke. I feel joke. like it actually helps the episode in a way because you kind of have such a silly moment at the beginning to kind of help just uh, juxtaposition between the much more darker, more atmospheric tones of the episode to kind of almost throw like a curveball at you before we're going oh oh you think it's gonna be a silly episode <laughs> now prepare yourself for something really atmospheric and scary and it's like oh shit oh shit okay <laughs> yes well the thing i thought immediately after watching that and i've thought it both times i said well here's another fantastic actor that's been wasted in a bit role because i yeah so I'm i, I watched that. it's a sin and Mm. Nate can Nate Curtis, one of the best performances in there, easily, especially 
you know, I don't want to give spoilers for that, but it's a two-year-old show. You should have watched it by now. What are you doing? Get on. Um, yeah, Robin. His acting, <gasps> his acting, especially, especially in episode five, is sublime. And to think that he's been cast as a guy from history who was historically an incel and <laughs> who has links to colonialism, like, it was just a bit, ooh... And it, it felt to me like um, the original usage of Jacoby, because Jacoby is the master. What a casting. And he gets like five bloody minutes. Ah! I, lo I love uh, how you're talking about the inclusion of Isaac Newton when one of your favourite episodes is Churchill in it. <laughs> I right, so I do not agree. Like, I have to clarify that. I do not agree with the chumminess of Churchill in that. I do think that they should have presented him far more as a complex historical figure with both some benefits and a lot of detriments. Like I think I think something we have to do as Doctor Who fans is maybe not take it as seriously. Like, yeah, I'm, I'd say that there is a joke, but we have to go that we have to maybe look at it as going, well, that this is a fictional retelling of things maybe they're not actually the same version as we had in you know in yeah. our history you know mm -hmm. maybe we know we have to be like maybe churchill wasn't such a twat in you know in the doctor yeah. universe you know <laughs> maybe nikola tesla didn't marry a pigeon in the doctor who universe <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is <laughs> <laughs> I do think that was a brilliant joke. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay, yeah. that's good. Uh, <laughs> you know, okay. Okay. Oh, fair, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah. Opening it either works for you. It doesn't, if you're someone that it doesn't work for you just because of the race of the actor, well, fuck off. Um, anyway. Um, the new opening, Cat. I know you're not a fan. Uh, yeah, when when they sort of revealed the new theme at the um, at the music concert, that I'm very bitter. I didn't go to uh, or get a free pass by knowing somebody. <laughs> um, when they re <laughs> they revealed um, the theme tune at that event. I was kind of shocked at how, I don't know, lots of things were happening at once. Uh, the orchestra seemed to mess it up in the live event, which is like, I mean, they probably only had like two weeks. Right? It's not It's not reasonable for me to say, oh, the orchestra messed up, blah, blah, blah. I just thought from the arrangement that we heard then, there's a lot going on. Murray Gold's tried to go, here's the piano from the eighth doctor, here's the thing from the tenth doctor and the ninth doctor. Smash, 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 smash. Here's the theme. And I feel like it clunks along, but with, you know, comparing it to something like 13's theme, it, it sort of zooms towards and it, it bass drops and it, it sort of zooms towards it. It's got some motion in it. Yeah. Um, 
and I mean, if it was something like Trial, because the one well, the Trial theme is my is my second favorite theme in the whole show. Something like Trial, which has this sort of intrigue, but because it's fairly simple, I mean, it's got a little jingle, you know, something going on. But with Murray Gold, it's like everything is happening all around your head at once, and the the visuals they're fine they're they're fine i'm i don't really care about the png logo um i just no. think if the visuals don't necessarily match that same energy it it feels a bit disconnected so you know they have this shot that's zooming into the tardis scraping against the vortex it's fine did it need to be there you know, I I don't know. I can live with it. I can't put. I think See, I've said this in the I can't put my face one centimeter away from the screen. Imagine I'm falling through it, and if that doesn't happen, it's a bad opening. Uh, well, Oliver, what are your thoughts on the opening? Right, so I'm going to be different here. I wish I'd got a mug on me because I'm about to open up a cup of positivity now. Oh Jesus oh, Christ. Oh. Oh yeah, I said it. But no, um, I actually love it. I really do. Now, here's um, here's my hot take. You know, it wouldn't be me without hot takes. For someone whose favourite theme slash title sequence is, get ready for this one, the Series Seven B one. That's a tasty little number, isn't it? Ooh, um, <laughs> that's revolting. I'm yeah. just going to kick you from the ears. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> My grip is too strong. But no. Um, so music-wise, I do partially agree with Kat. I think for the 60th, they were like, let's try and please everyone. And that's something you can't do. But... When listening to, not the live orchestra one, but the actual one, because I think uh, the the uh, Doctor Who twi- uh, TikTok page actually put the actual one, not the orchestra one, it sounds really good. The issue with it in the title sequence, and I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, is it feels like bits have been cut out and it's been compressed. And it sort of ha- feels a bit stunted, like it stops starts. I really like it. I think it's a fantastic new theme. Yeah. So there's that, um, I don't know if it's just in the end credits, but there's that weird ASMR breathing. I was going to say, I was going to say, no matter our feelings in the opening, personally, I'm a yay on it. It's not my favourite. Thirteens is still my favourite because it's so alien and Mm. fucking just weird. I love it. But um, it's... Yeah, we can all band together and say, "What the fuck is this abomination?" On the like, end credits, like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it's like you know, it's like when they were recording it, someone was in the back bashing one out. Like that's what. Thanks, Oliver. That was what Russell's doing when all over the script when he brought Tenon back. <laughs> like, oh. but no, um, the thing is. Oh. The thing is, I really like it. And the the really hot take is people are like, oh, I don't like the different angles. I love it. Like the same, bit where the same, TARDIS same. goes, meow, like you saying, What's the point? Nose, 
It's sick. It's awesome. Is it? Yeah. It's fine. Now, I didn't I need to see it though. <laughs> I don't oh. really, I don't really like the bit of how it reveals the names. That bit, mm, it's all right. I can take or leave it. But the rest of it, oh, like it was like crack cocaine to me when I first saw it. <laughs> I literally came out of the Star Beast going, "Oh, I want more." That was you in the outro, then. Like, I was just like, probably was me in the outro, yeah. <laughs> they probably got their time machine, recorded the sound back and went, yeah, there we go. So, like the bit where the, um, sort of, you get the corner of the TARDIS cutting through the cloud. Oh, like, yeah. They, mm. can I, can I say something it's, that might be oh. slightly controversial? Um, mm. you know, with the, I, I think I've made a connection because yeah they're doing the whole they're doing the whole Hooniverse ident bit now, which mm. is very, very clearly we want to be Marvel and it's this is our version of the Marvel opening. I think the new opening titles are maybe influenced by by being different and being drawn towards getting the sort of same feel as you've got that ident. It's sort of very different take on the intro that you know, oh it's new, it's fresh, it's it's the season mm. one. We're gonna make it new and fresh. And I I don't think I don't it know. needed it. I, I think I think I put I got a theory right. I reckon they've cut it up a bit and then when we get shooty they'll have it longer with all the bits that seem to be missing and because let's face it they're not going to make a new fucking intro, are they? You're not going to pay for an intro for three fucking episodes, are they? Mm. Be like, oh, oh we're going to yeah. get a gra you know, we'll get graphics, graphic you design team to make one yeah. fucking intro just for three episodes. No, they're going to they're going to reuse it for shooting. So I reckon they've cut it up a bit. Maybe it'll be a slightly different color here and there, but I think that's. What I got. think there is one thing it's missing, and I've said this since you know Peter Capaldi left, and it's one of the reasons I like the Seven B one so much. Where's the face? I like it when you just get warm and you just see, you know, whoever bloody Jim Bob down the co-op is, uh, you know, the new Doctor Who, and there's his face. Like there we go. Yeah. If they if they do that if they do that with Shooty in the uh, titles, we'll all be going. I think we I think we know what I think you we know what you'll be doing. Your wife's just going to walk in and you're kissing the telly as his face comes up. Mate, I've got I've got my shooty t-shirt on right now. I'll just be I going. <laughs> well, he's you know shooty cat. We're more like cutie. Oh, I mean, I am. Hey. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm straight. But my God, oh, that man could strike a post and strike it well. Oh, he's a he's a fabulous man in the costumes that he's getting for a season. No. Like, oh. oh. I got don't say that. that. I, I was really... going to say he's, he's he's trying to bankrupt you, Oliver, isn't he? That's what he's doing. He's, he's doing the catwalk. He's going to be I doing know. the catwalk down the TARDIS yeah. every episode. You, you poor cosplayers. You poor you cosplayers. Just, you're just going to see and me character living, options. You're going to see me living in a cardboard box. Like at least I've got machine costumes <laughs> and just shooty dollies. Oh, don't don't! I'm going to have yeah. so many variants of him. It's going to be like yeah. oh. I tell you what, I got, 
a lot I said it before, character options are either like really excited because oh we're gonna make so much money or they're sweating because like oh my god we have to do like 15 variants of this one character for one series <laughs> to be fair they are i'm sure they're very glad because of course the christmas special this year has got the lovely orange polo but then mm. next year's christmas special if you've seen the filming photos he's wearing basically the same outfit with a different color t-shirt on uh, I, see. So I bet they're going, oh, oh, there's two variants out of one body. <laughs> <laughs> Just paint that differently. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sell yeah. that again. Right. right. Okay. Instead of talking about character options, let's move back to Wild Beyond It itself, the episode. Okay. <laughs> so, as I said before, one of the big merits of the episode, I feel, is the big sense of dread I felt for the first 15, 20 minutes or so as they land on this weird spaceship. The TARDIS is doing something weird. The Doctor has to put the sonic screwdriver into the TARDIS as a groan as he does that. Uh, do that, you know, take that, you know, as you will. Fair enough. They then start to explore this spaceship. They see Jimbo off in the distance. And then the TARDIS, um, the HADs activate and it disappears. Hmm. And again, that plays into this whole sort of uneasy situation here. It's like, well, why has the HADs been activated, obviously? You know, and Donna has the great line, you know, like, you know, it's something, you know, something so bad. So bad ran away. Yeah, ran away. And then, well, we'll go and kick its ass, which is very mm. Donna, which is great. Yeah. And then... I think obviously... you've skipped a crucial bit there, though. Like, go on. you've skipped one of my favourite moments in the episode. Now, of course, I want to chuck a little joke in, as I usually do. And the bit where he removes it and sticks the sonic screwdriver in, I was like, oh, hang on, have I turned into Dr. Screw here? You know, (laughs) calm down. But no, the bit that I really love is um, Donna just completely freaking out. And the bit where the doctor kisses her hand and holds it to his chest. Yes, I love that. such a beautiful Mm. moment. And, oh, like... Even my cold, dead, senseless heart. Even I was. Even I felt a little tingled. <laughs> it, it's like, great oh. as well to see that again. This difference between fourteen and the tenth Doctor. Yes. You know, where yeah. it's like obviously, you know the, you know thousands or hundreds of years between the tenth Doctor and the fourteenth Doctor have made him more rounded, more mature more human as well than the 10th Doctor was. Because I can't, you know, I can see the 10th Doctor comforting Donna a bit, definitely, but not in the same sort Mm. of, you know, really emotional and supportive way that the 14th Doctor does throughout this episode. He's also the the... incarnation I prefer. You're not the only person to say that. Their emotional attachment to one another is like a, real sticking point throughout this whole episode like thank you for bringing that up Oliver because I love that scene I love how like it is a tense situation like they are like obviously sort of arguing because it's like Donna's freaking out about seeing her family again and there's that kind of that moment where she's like no just just no just no and it's like they just have to really calm down sort of apologize and carry on and that that felt very human Ten wouldn't right. have done that. I think the bit where the doctor, um, where Donna's like, well, it's your TARDIS. And he went, well, you spilt coffee. And then he goes, no, 
takes a second, he takes a breather and steps back. Mm. It's you so never... good. The emotional maturity mm. I always wanted. Exactly. Because you'd never see Ten doing that. He'd have a little hissy fit. All your fault, all your fault, all your oh. fault. Like a kid on the playground. But no, it's yeah, it's the best symbol of their, his growth since then. Mm. I I think as well, it's I think it very much sort of gives us a clue as maybe where they're going to go with Shooty's uh, characterization as well, which I think is a really I think I feel like they're sort of doing like a soft launch with some of the stuff they're doing with fourteen oh. to mm. then bring in with you know Shooty, you know particularly with certain themes that come up in this episode and you know yeah, different theme. character development, you know char- different character development, which will. Again, coming to it as we get to it later on. But yeah, thank you for bringing it up, Oliver, because yeah, you're right. It is, it's it's one of my favourite, you know, scenes in the episode. And I did, it, it got me really, it, it got me a bit teary about that as well, to see that sort of, oh, to really see the Doctor and... just taking responsibility in a sense for, well, mm. you know, she's in this situation because of me, any way you look at it. And just really just being there for that, you know, actually being supportive for once, yeah. But no, um, well, I think, you know, if you've uh, seen the interview he did today, uh, Gatwa gave a hint towards his doctor's character saying that he was going to be very human. So oh, that's good. That's that, I think that's going to be interesting, good. very interesting to see because it's, yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting because obviously, as you've got to be blind not to know <clears throat> it, but uh. You can see in my face that Matt Smith is my favourite, and I think I prefer when the character's more alien. But I am very interested to see like how human that this is, and I'm very excited to see how it goes forward. But yeah, um, I think the next, I think we have we gone past the moment where they say about how hot Isaac Newton is. Yes, of course, that as well. Is. <gasps> mm. Yes. Wonderful. I, okay, right. Uh, you all know what I'm going to say, but when when it, it, it had the shot of him and you couldn't see his face, I, I did think it was Sasha Dewan. Mm. And, and then, you know, 14 saying he was hot later. Uh, it, it, sort of, it sort of gave me a bit of fodder. It gave me my crumb. And it's it's the smallest crumb in the world, really. But it it made me very happy. And mm. I mean, he's not. I mean, depending on your headcanon here, depending on your head, I don't think the Doctor is exclusively into men. But by God, it's very nice to see him explicitly into men and oh, confirmed. Yes. 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 Mm. I mean, I I mean, I, you know, I want more of that, and I shoot. He's gonna bring it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic, and it's everything. You know, it's you know, it's like you think about the Doctor is is an alien. Any way you look at it, why would they be bound by just oh, I'm straight? You know, well, it's 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 so sort of just you know, it's very you know, it, it, it's just like why would he just be that when they? I don't. I I can't speak to it in in a particular way again because I'm. I'm a straight white guy, but you know, I it's everything I want to see, you know, yeah. in the future of the show, particularly, you know. Well, you've got to remember, it's like uh Stephen Moffat so eloquently put in World Enough and Time, we're the most civilized civilization in the galaxy. We're way past your planet's obsession with gender stereotypes and stuff. And 
Fuck yeah, show it. Oh god, mm. are we allowed to say fuck on here? Oh, I, I, I said fuck multiple times, so yeah, I go for it. Say it, like, yeah. Oh. Sorry, what the fuck are we talking about again? God, <laughs> my mum's gonna be listening, and she, you know, she's gonna get the bar of soap out to scrub my mouth again. Oh, oh. It's, right. <laughs> it's fine. It's not. Just don't drop any sea bombs, all right? Oh god, no. Yeah. Okay. Um. So then they come down the corridor. We meet Jimbo. The that looks a lot like Marvin, the paranoid android from mm. from Actually, I think it's the same team that worked on that for the movie that worked on Jimbo. Yeah, I didn't oh, wow. realize it was stop motion into after I watched the uh, behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. and that was really interesting to hear because, and I guess this kind of comes into the conversation of something I wanted to bring up. Actually, was what were people's thoughts about the use of CGI? This sort of this heavy in the episode. I didn't notice it being bad, and other people have done. Um, other mm. people were like, "It's awful." You can really see they haven't got this. I was just sitting there completely oblivious. It's not bad. Yeah. It's just it's it's I you was, know what a creature yeah. would look like if it got stretched oh, out. Yeah, I, I was completely completely oh. agree, you cat, and also. When stuff did start looking a bit sort of like Uncanny Valley or Strange, mm. I was like, well, that just adds to the episode anyway, yeah. in my opinion. Mm. You know, go on, Oliver. So, um, here's the thing I, um, with the CGI for the spaceship itself, it was good most of the time, but there were sort of bits where it's like, mm. but I can overlook that, you know, um, this is Doctor Who. We are used to bits of cardboard held together by sellotape. You know, it's not that. Um, with the monsters, I am a champion, and this is in horror movies especially. I always say, do as much as you can practically. Don't use visual effects. Go for practical effects and enhance them in post with visuals. So, for example, and there's a brilliant comparison in this episode itself. One of the best things in this episode is... um my arms are too long when the doctor says it and he has those giant floppy arms. Mm. Those were practical. Like those were props. Those were practical pieces and they look so good in the episode. In comparison, you have the jaw, which looks like a PS3 game. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it's like, obviously, you know, if you've not seen the thing, and I'm talking about the John Carpenter version. Oh, I love it. One of my favorite movies. Yes, it's a great movie. Thank you. All of that is practical and it looks phenomenal. It, in my opinion, hasn't aged since the 70s oh, when it, no. I think it was the 70s. I'm going to be feel really bad if I got that wrong. But um, <laughs> no, I, I love that film. I think that film is so good. It's so great at what it does. And I think, obviously, like we've said, this episode was inspired by that film. And I think if they'd followed that film's example a bit more with the practical effects, I think it could have been less jarring. But of course, then we have some of the other practical effects they used, which I wasn't a fan of, which were the teeth. I mean, I, think... I, I suppose I can understand that. It's But it's... it's... They felt it's like a very it's a very easy way to show I'm evil, isn't it? Yeah. They felt yeah. like an unnecessary addition. 
-hmm. and they kind of look like something out of an Aardman animation. <laughs> hey, hey, have you, have you not seen Crystal Ware Rabbit? That's pretty freaky. See, the thing for me is there's, um, and this is to do with like the CGI and stuff, there's multiple moments where, for me, the intimidation from these creatures, which is part of the crux of the episode, is just dashed completely. Like, so for example, um, the next bit of the episode that we were going to be coming to after they meet the creatures is, of course, the uh, scene where they get chased down the corridor. And, like, you know, with the sort of Snapchat filter effects on David Tennant and Catherine Tate's face, it was more funny than scary or terrifying. Like, here's the thing. If these creatures had been growing sort of proportionally instead of this all... Look, I think... I think it would have been better, like, because there's like I'm I paused it um, in my rewatch today to go to the loo, and I nearly I nearly peed myself because I just creased laughing at the freeze frame. I'd got it on because you've got one giant eye of David Tennant's down here, and then one halfway up his forehead, and he's got like going like that with a teeth, and it's like this isn't scary. This is silly, and. I, I, if this was intended as a silly episode, well done. Round of applause. You've achieved it. But the fact that this was the episode that they said, this is not for children. This is a proper, like, horror, scary thing for Doctor Who. Kind of undercuts it for me. See, I, I hear that. And I you know, I think that's completely valid. I, I felt completely different about the CGI itself. I felt that that sort of strangeness really enhanced the episode because it was very, it, it just added to the creepy factor for me. And sometimes when you do watch a horror film, sometimes you get get the odd sort of funny moment, which then is sort of strange because you can have that moment and then you have the fear and it sort of counteracts it. And you have these conflicting fear, you know, feelings in itself, which are quite anxiety inducing. She's like, well, I, should feel, I feel like I should be feeling this, but I'm feeling this. And then it's, all the you know weird little mix of things there. Um, I feel like we should come back to you know you, you, there's there's obviously you know, as you say big big references and drawing upon the thing in this. Also alien as well, particularly when you get into the cockpit. Uh, as yes. soon as I saw like I was like oh that's the space jockey, um, mm. you know thing right there. I thought well they're going to come around the corner and there's going to be some weird giant man in this cockpit here, but no there isn't and. Um, they come into it, and obviously the Doctor starts looking at things and realizes they're on the very edge of the universe. Mm. And that in itself is a very, you know, scary thought. We're on the edge of reality as we're looking at it. The nearest star is trillions and trillions of miles that way. I think the thing was, um, I think obviously um Russell T. Davies showed this page in the script and he said, I've cut this bit because you know. And whilst I usually agree with less is more, I think there's a line that he has in the script that I think the episode kind of misses because there's a line where the doctor says, you know, I've hopped universes like that, but this is far out. Because I feel like that kind of addresses stuff like um, the doctor's wife and stuff. Because obviously that's in a little bubble universe that they fly through mm -hmm. a crack to get to. But... 
obviously to get to a crack in the wall of the universe you have to go to said edge of the universe to get to that yeah i so, suppose it's it's you know i'm sure it'll be cleared up in the target novel you know it'll be oh, yeah very clear I'm, there, I'm sure i'm actually really interested for that one i think it's so i think i'm far more interested in it for it than the star beast one because i you know if I want a novelization sort of thing of the Star Beast, I'll just read the original comic. Read the comic, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks. I'm looking forward to the novelization of Well Beyond It because, and I'm not, I'm not a huge on on Target books. I'm not huge on them. I like them, but they can be very hit or miss. But hmm. Well Blue Yonder does can do a lot of the emotional exploration. And I feel like one thing we haven't touched on is where the Doctor talks about the flux, Donna. Yes, and, I, I've got oh, that in my notes. Payoff after so long. And mm. I liked Jodie's series, I did. But I, I'm not blind to, you know, the criticisms of what wasn't explored and what needed to to be explored and getting that pain through even late and having him yell oh having him yell at the door yeah it's very mm, mm. you can see 10 but at the same time you know this is a completely different man mm-hmm. um it, it's not time or victorious it's this man who's been through so many things and getting the payoff and having that explored in the target book oh my god it's yeah I'm so glad I'm so so glad you brought that up as well because what I love about Doctor Who and I think what can strengthen an episode is when they retroactively refer to older episodes and strengthen them and I Mm. think going back to the events of Flux and being like oh yeah this Mm. isn't just a self-contained story this actually has weight and impact on future stories and I'm so glad you brought that up because that was brilliant well it, i feel like it's important as well because like i feel like russell didn't need to do it but as fans mm, it's, it really does help us because you know we at the end of flux we're all going well is half the universe destroyed um what has it been reset is this happening you know mm. and it, i think it really adds to it as well to think well it means that all for those specials 13 probably the back of her head had this guilt and had all this, which I just think so just loathing. Yeah, which is I just think that just mm. adds so much retro, retro retroactively to that for a sixtieth you know, anniversary. Yeah. As well, mm. with only the cast of series four, it gives us a tiny crumb. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's um, I think because I can't remember exactly, but I don't think in flux itself it ever gives us like a sort of specific idea of how much the universe has been destroyed so to hear externally that it is half of the universe is just one that's good and i think you know the line um of the doc of this doctor tenant's doctor finally sort of although it's not the right time for him to but taking responsibility for what is wrong it's nice to see. I think, you know, the line where he says, um, uh, oh, 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 oh. um, you know, a creation that I devastated is just yes. oh, the way he delivers it is so mm. good. 
And it made me sort of think back to an earlier line in the episode, uh, some earlier bits in the episode, um, which I really enjoyed, which was the water room scene where he's fiddling with the taps and talking about the TARDIS. Yeah, and fake Donna's there. And oh. yeah, mm-hmm. I have, I have mixed thoughts on it. I love it. However, I think it should have been a speech saved for Shooty when describing the TARDIS to Millie or a different companion. I think it's such a beautiful way to introduce a new companion to the concept of the TARDIS. And I feel like, you know, yes, he's talking to the not thing of Donna who hasn't experienced the TARDIS before, but it's got her memory so it can remember experiencing the TARDIS. Uh... And I think it, 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 it would just be such a good introduction saying this thing is like, this is everything. This will outlast civilizations. This almost is a civilization in itself. And I think, you know, imagine Shooty saying that at Christmas to Millie Gibson as Ruby Sunday. I think that would have been phenomenal, but I'm, I'm still yeah. glad they got it. It was great. Great. I hear that. I, d- yeah. Hmm. I hear that, and I also I hear that. I respect that. I thought it was beautiful. That that bit had me tearing up actually hmm. in the episode because it is so beautiful, and it did. It also did make me think of the Ghost Monument, uh, which is something I don't uh, like that much. But it did you know that same sort of idea of like a society creating something around this this you know this blue box, you know? But then hmm. I also loved that bit where Fake Donna is saying to him, you know, do you miss home? Miss Gallifrey, and he goes, and he has that little bit where he's like, you know, even that got complicated, and it's like, mm. again, yeah, mm. yeah, with, yeah. He's, he's doubling down on it, and I'm like, okay, you know, no matter my thoughts on the timeless children and you know the timeless mm-hmm. child and stuff, earlier on, if we're doubling down, we're actually going to get maybe get some payoff with it at some point. I'm, I'm for it, you know. The other thing about that Tardis line is it threw me back to Chris Eccleston. It reminded Ooh, me of the bit yeah. where he says, let the TARDIS sit on the corner, let it die, let it gather dust. It will just be something that's there. And that's exactly what he's repeating, just in a different way in this episode. And, oh, like, it's such a nice little moment to have. Like, And, it, you know, it feels like there's this really thorough line because Russell T Davies has sort of unofficially said that this is sort of, the finale for New Who before we enter the proper universe era with Shooty Gatwa. And it just feels like such a nice through line to show the Doctor's love of the TARDIS. And you can draw it back to Chris Eccleston himself all the way up to the 14th Doctor. It's beautiful. You know, there have been these little touches all the way through, like, you know, in the Starbeast who's resonating concrete, for God's sake, you know, which is a lovely little throwback Mm. as well. You know, so that's what's been great about it. And yeah, it's it's nice that we're having an anniversary and that we're celebrating like the little parts of that. But again, right, I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna throw it in now because I feel like we darted around it enough. I'm gonna come back mm-hmm. to things later on. Like I really want to praise David and Catherine for their for their evil acting yeah. and things like that. But yeah. this episode, we are it's the middle of the anniversary specials, you know, there was so much secrecy around this one. Even Russell addresses that in, I think it's either the official Doctor Who podcast, which we hate because they're not, you know, they don't go listen to them because this is your Doctor Who podcast, you know. Uh, no, I'm only joking. But, you know, even on that, and I think on Unleashed as well, he says, you know, there was maybe that it was a 
a misstep to not give out so much information about this one, keep it so you know secret, because obviously that instantly meant that people were thinking, oh, the you know um, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, and the ghost of William Hartnell riding a garm are going to appear in this episode. Which, yes, I get that. But here's my here's my question to the three of you now. Okay, it's an anniversary special. We're probably not going to get like multi doctor stuff or what we would usually expect from an anniversary special, um, unless you're talking about something like Silver Nemesis, which obviously is the 25th anniversary. But do you feel that there's an expectation with anniversary specials in terms of that thing which is not going to be delivered upon? I think yes. See, here's the thing so, um. Back in, I think I had this conversation with someone back in, I think, 2020, 2021, I believe. Now, this was prior to Jodie and Chibnall announcing that they were leaving. So I said, I feel very, you know, sorry for who, um, whoever, um, if Jodie's still there, thank goodness. You know, it's someone who's been comfortable in the Doctor role for a while. They'll, they, If it was just them, they'd happily carry an anniversary. Um, then obviously uh, Jody and Chibnall are announced to be leaving so I'm like okay are we even going to get a 60th anniversary then we get the news that Russell is back and I'm like cool we're definitely getting a 60th anniversary because they said 60th anniversary in series beyond underneath that and then I think for me as soon as they announced a returning doctor in David Tennant if you announce, if they'd announced, you know, they announced Shooty first, and if they'd said it's just going to be Shooty leading the 60th anniversary specials, I'd be a bit like, you know, I'm a bit sad, you know, that Matt Smith or um, who's another one I like, really like, you know, no way Chris Eccleston was coming back as soon as Russell T Davies was announced. We we're like, yeah, <laughs> but, um, let's just, you know. Or let's say uh, Peter Capaldi, even though he's been quite vocal about him not wanting to come back either. I think <laughs> if we've been told it was no returning Doctors and just the new Doctor shooty Gatwa, I would have been fine with it. And granted, yes, David Tennant's playing a new Doctor and stuff. But I think the moment you say that there is returning Doctor, I think, at, at least the way I look at it, I think you've got to do... It's almost like an all or none approach. I feel like if you're only giving one section of the fandom, and granted, it's quite a big section, I won't lie, especially, you know, of people around our sort of ages. If you're only giving one section of the fandom their favourite and basically going, you know, because it's the fact that... um all of the previous Doctors, no matter what they've said about, like, for example, the new Who ones, because, of course, classic Who ones, love to see them back in power of the Doctor. Hallelujah. About damn time. But, and obviously a lot of them, uh, they came back for Tales of the TARDIS as well. So they had that. But I think the thing that disappointed me was that, you know, we're having, oh, um, David Tennant's coming back, Donna's coming back. And then hearing from, you know, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, etc., them just saying we weren't even, you know, we um I'd love I would have come back. I wasn't asked. 
And I think, you know, it's the fact, you know, if they'd been asked, said, no, can't do it because of filming arrangements or no, not interested in coming back to the role, fair dues. But it's like, you know, it's like it is. It Well, actually, I was going to say it's like, but it is, you know, throwing a birthday party and not inviting everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I agree with it. I agree with it. I, I, I think. I mean, I was talking about Rebecca Bex on Twitter about this the other day. There, what people have used to defend it is, well, it's it's the sixtieth. You've got beat the meek. You're getting the toy maker. You're getting Mel. Um, I I don't know if Mel's going to be in the sixtieth or the series. I don't know, but you've got all these these references, and it's a comic from forty years ago. And I've said this before, you know, it it's so weird. It is just such a weird decision to make. And it, I think now that you've done it, A, you've sort of overshadowed Shooty a little bit mm-hmm. by giving him, well, here's what you liked from 15 years ago. And it's going to be good again. Hey, guys, the show's going to be good again. Um you know, everyone was saying, well, Jodie's just a rip-off. David Tennant, why doesn't David Tennant come back? David Tennant comes out, you got what you wanted, haven't you? Mm. Um, Such bullshit as well, because Jodie is not yeah. a rip-off. David Tennant at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. completely you know, different. Like, Jesus Christ. And She's I a think... rip-off for them, Doctor. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. No. But, um, yeah, it was just, I think... You know, like I said earlier, I waited and I was refreshing my phone like every day to see, you know, oh, who's going to be back next? Is it going to be? And, um, you know, it's like people were saying, oh, well, we've got new stuff. We've got Yaz Finney's character. She's named after the first Russell T Davies era companion. Like, and the people who say, We've got Mel, you know. I mean, it's the worst kept secret in the world. I've like, <laughs> tried to be, be subtle. Hey, let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. We've known since David Tennant and Donna, uh, David Tennant and Donna, David Tennant, Catherine Tate walk out the TARDIS and go, oh, yeah, that's Mel. She's brilliant. And everyone's like, is Mel coming back? Of course she is. Um, but. It's like saying, you know, all of that. People are like, oh, yeah, this is why it's not like Series 4 redone. I'm like, you're saying about the um, Star Beast comic, you know, okay, maybe I can just about give you that. But they were like, oh, well, the Toymaker as well. The Sontarans made their return to the show in Series 4, you know, like bringing back old monsters that have not been seen since the classic era. You know, granted, it's great to have that for an anniversary, but it's not like it's not something that Russell did in every series. And I, I applaud him for that. I think that's brilliant. I think you should try and get some more of the classic stuff back. But I think, and obviously I made the joke earlier, I think it does feel more like the 15th, 15th anniversary specials of series four than it does the 60th. Mm entire show now we may now i may be wrong and i'll tell you what 
if we have a Guardians of the Edge scene where, I don't know, for example, the new Who Doctors turn up, I will, um, I don't know, tell you what, Jack, um, for you, I will come, um, I will cosplay the post-regeneration uh, 15th Doctor, and if the rumours are true, that means I'm not going to have anything on my legs apart from a pair of welly boots. And that is a promise. If we get a Guardians of the Edge scene, I'll do that. That I'm a man of my word on that. I but, thought you were going to say you were going to eat a Target novel, because that's something I can <laughs> <as> well. <laughs> eat a Target novel? I, oh, God. You know, here's the thing. I, I'd want a good Target novel, because I'd want to be eating well, but at the same time, if it's a good story, why would I want to eat it? Yeah, I Can I just say as well, it's I think all, all this talk about the 60th and what it should be, I think it's very fortunate. It's very, very, very fortunate that Power of the Doctor came before this because I'd feel a lot, a lot more dissatisfied than I already am. Um, mm-hmm. mm. I think... Okay. I think... Oh, I was going to... Go on. Go, sorry, Oliver, go ahead. The one thing, I have ragged on it a lot, and um, if you're listening, Mr. T. Davies, please don't blacklist me for life. I have so much to offer. But um, I think the one thing that we are forgetting, and no matter what your thoughts on it are and how you feel about it just being Tennant and Catherine Tate, I think we do need to be grateful for the fact that we are getting these specials. Because I, I tell you what, the sort of two months between July 2021 and September 2021, where we didn't know who was going to be taking over from Chris Chibnall, were the longest two months of my life. Mm. I genuinely thought mm. we were heading for another hiatus. So the fact that we are getting these specials, and they may not be to my cup of tea, they may not be to Kat's cup of tea, but the fact that we are getting new Doctor Who. The fact that we're not on another break of, I don't know, um, seven years, then we get a movie, and then another nine years before the show actually comes back properly. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that, and I think you know, if you're not a big fan on the, um, if you're not a big fan on uh, Tennant and Tate being back. You've just got, you've not even got to wait till Christmas. You've just got to wait till next week and we'll finally get, you know, Dr. Hossie, you know. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I tell you what, let's let's finish off this chat about the anniversary and expectations. Robin, we've heard very strong feelings on it there. What about yourself, speaking as someone who has been enjoying these specials and, you know, we're, we're the biggest 10 of the Catherine Tate fanboys around, aren't we? So, I, I mean, You've said it right there, and I feel like I'm very much kind of in the other corner defending this, where I've absolutely loved this. I have. I love the Star Beast. The Star Beast just really kind of hit home to me. I kind of love for Doctor Who again, and I've just been really enjoying the 60th. I've not been able to really get into the big finish stories as much as I'd like. I've been far too busy to sort of get into them as much as I'd like or to purchase these new stories, which, yeah, I've heard mixed things, but I still want to enjoy them. And I think 
Oliver really put it damn right when he said that regardless a point a point Jack before you start giving me the thumbs down like what you're saying is that regardless of how we all feel we are getting brand new to content which is the positive I think we can all agree that we love these adventures in a blue box traveling through time and space and I think yeah this 60th I think they've gone okay we need to definitely hold out for um, ah, nostalgia. We need to bring back in previous audiences who've maybe tuned off to Doctor Who for a long time. We need to bring back um, a classic Doctor Who they remembered. We need to bring back a companion who they remember. Yeah. Oh, you remember these guys? Remember these guys? They're back. They're back. And it's like, that's how you bring people in. And I think that's definitely been the reason for it. And, you know, that's been a reason why I've been really into it. I've been so curious about these stories and I've been very interested in the fact that, especially with this story, we weren't told anything. Like, um, Star Beast is based on a comic and everything. The Giggle, Neil Patrick Harris, releasing a song. God, I hope so. I want my music master. <laughs> sorry, I, I, um, sorry I, lo- I love the idea that you're saying the giggle is based on Neil Patrick Harris. Like, it's just... Like, the episode, just, he's not playing the toy maker, he's just playing different incarnations of Neil Patrick Harris. So one of them is going to be Barney from How I Met Your Mother, and there will, another will be Neil Patrick Harris in the Harold and Kumar movies. Another will be Dougie, uh, you know, Dougie Hauser. So you just need to have a line out that just says like how I met your doctor. And it's like okay, okay, we get oh. it, we get it. It's like oh, um, I know oh. that that'd be a bit much, but um, but um, oh, that was worse than any Mavity joke I've made today. My God, yeah, that was oh, really bad. That stank. <laughs> I can smell that through my computer. Do you know what? It's it's, it's oh, oh what you get the puns, so you get the puns, and I don't get so, anything. It's so bad, Robin. I'm gonna I'm gonna call the break a second and when we come back we're gonna talk about the actual episode itself. Yeah. And we're back talking about hey. Wild Blue Yonder. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Oh, okay, right. So, yeah. We look, I, I was saying it before, we've talked an awful lot around the episode of things. Let's actually talk about Wild Beyonder itself because there's been a lot of mm. chat about different things, but let's talk about the actual thing itself, okay? It's most of the episode is just David Tennant, Catherine Tate, and David Tennant and Catherine Tate. It's uh, mm. you know, and what's great about it is that yes, we get to see fantastic performances from them as the 14th Doctor and Donna, but we also have these very creepy, evil, not thing versions of them, which are I have my own theories about what they are and what you know what they are in terms of things, but when they actually first come into the episode where the Donna is in the one room moving the different um like rectangles into the thing and the doctor's in the waterish room. Um the minute the not doctor is what I'll probably refer to him from now on comes into that I I felt this just there was something like uneasy or like wistful about yeah. him and yeah. i was just like well, what's going on here like and obviously you know we knew he was in the other room anyway so i was like has he come back and then they were we're getting the cut between them as well and i had a very it was very weird because i felt like wistful about him but whereas the not donna i instantly was like oh something strange is going on here and, and, and you 
Oh, and you're spending that whole time thinking, okay, is it like something going on with the actual personality of, is it actually them? Is it indeed like an imposter type thing? And it's like this whole time. And again, at the very start, you're like, oh, are they just doing two different scenes, but they're just cutting it? And then slowly you realize, no, this is happening at the same time. And you're like, yeah, I was like, is it a wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing? Are they in like different time bubbles or Mm. something like that? Like the doctors come back to speak to Donna or something like it's Mm. different things. And then, of course, we just get really this real sense of uneasiness. The doctor sits down and it's really weird because the not doctor has these really sort of, again, wistful like smiles and looks at Donna. Like he even mentions Wilf as well, which is really you know mm. another gut punch you know and then, and then we just get that line don't we mm-hmm. my arms are too long mm-hmm. and it's such um, a it's such a strange line but it, as soon as it hit i was like okay what's going on here because really it's not a big thing you, you know you might just think oh he's saying that because he's just regenerated and he's used to this body and he's just realizing now his arms are a bit longer than they were last time or something but no it's my arms are too long. And then it's just the uneasiness that comes from that as well. It's just like, oh! Well, it's the it's, fact that he the... repeats it as well, because yes. Donna sort of overlooked it at first. No, mm. but I think, I don't want to sound smug here, but I immediately clocked that that wasn't the Doctor. Because if you look, the Doctor, especially David Tennant, David Tennant has a very particular walk. He walks differently with each of his characters. And the way that um you have like sort of these almost like his feet go in this sort of position naturally as the doctor and he sort of goes like that whereas the closest character i could have drawn it to it of his is he walks in there and it's the same aura as kilgrave from jessica jones yeah you immediately get that sort of character feeling and so i clocked it right away i mean donna was easy because i think um i think I think that that scene is like the weakest scene of the not thing, Donna. I think the scene where they're um, when they discuss the flux eventually, that is so good. And it's like, you know, if it wasn't for one little thing, it would have fooled me. But I, I guess then as that time as well. But David gives this, oh, it's unsettling. It's creepy. It's like, it's, you know, and I think... If um, I so part of me thinks if they hadn't done like the sort of the thing with the thing with, you know, the sort of warping body parts and stuff, and they just kept it like that, so you actually there's no way to sort of tell the difference with them really. I think that would have been a lot more terrifying because the best thing about the not things is the performance, mm-hmm. and. Uh, vice versa, the, the weakest thing is some of the special effects. I think the performances are, you know, so good. Like, especially yeah. David. David is, um, David is like earning his paycheck. He's, mm. you know, he's the, worth the, the dollar in the, the they, episode. They're, they're both yeah. phenomenal, too. Yeah. Like, but they, I feel that they both have a very different approach to it, approach to it as well. Like, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of, and I'm not naming any names, but Twitter, I've seen an awful lot of people thirsting for not Doctor 14. Oh, like, I've seen an awful Ooh. lot of, yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, being like, hey, Evil 14's kind of hot. Like, 
guys, come oh, on. That's so cold and that's the task came to what I'd seen. Yeah, it's I saw someone put I can sit on his face. Someone said I I mean I could Well we literally we literally got a fucking master stand on the podcast here. Yeah, I get the instinct, I really do. I do get the instinct. I don't think he's like the master though. Um David Tennant's acting, you know, when he when becomes obvious that he's that he's the no he's the other thing. You can see the cold in his eyes. He's mm-hmm. freezing cold, like as well. It's really eerie, not very mastery. And you know, I haven't seen anyone drawing comparisons with him and the master, which I think is 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 right because he does evil, but it's like kind of cold, mm. cold evil. Um, and it, it freaked me out. It freaked me out. It really did because we haven't seen. David Tennant's a doctor acting that way ever, really. Yeah, yeah. What I like about that as well is, like, particularly with Donna or the not Donna, you do see it a little bit with with you know not fourteen as well as they they have these they both have these moments where they become more sort of animalistic. Like, there's the part where the doctor you know drops the salt and the lion. He's like, you know, you have to count every grain of salt here, and you know, you know, Donna's like. You know, the not Donna's like, you know, that's a superstition. He's like, yeah, it's a superstition, but it's true. And she just drops to the floor and is feverishly counting each grain mm. of salt there. And it's so, and then later on when they're just going, when they're both just going, think, 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 think. And it's so sort of yeah. unnerving. You know? It's this playing with their food sort of thing. Mm. Obviously, um, the animalistic thing has its positives in those scenes, but it also has the drawback, like, in the final the teeth. minutes, yeah. not the teeth. No, I've said about that and I'll leave that now. It's in the final bit where they're running towards the robot. And that's another point in the episode where the intimidation from these creatures just went for me. The bit where he starts running like a cheetah, I just went, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll see that. But also how Donna just starts fucking decking. Yeah, I, I did love yeah. that. That's such a Donna thing. Oh, no, you have the Doctor just sort of rotate around um, the not Donna and sort of move her out the way. And then Donna's just like, this is therapeutic. Bang! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Like, chill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that stuff was good. Uh, you know, that was good. Um but no, I'm I'm just going back to my notes. Uh, there's so you know, um, there's the scene where we have the discussion of the flux and where we have the discussion of Jonas, uh, Jonas, Donna's birth. But um, it's it's the fact that again, it was something where I clocked instantly which one was the fake one because they overcompensate massively, like. Mm. The tie bit is, you can tell it's trying too hard to be the Doctor. Oh, oh that tie bit. Yeah. When he looks down and it's like, oh, it's meant to stay there. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's so good. That's he, so good then, to think that. Well, I love that bit. And then because it turns into the, the Exorcist bit where his head comes out through his, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there, he's like, you know, Arthur, like, oh, you're so stupid. Why is he trying? Oh, I love that. I love but, that. Um, I was I was creasing at the da 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 
<laughs> again it's this it's this really unnerving situation is what it is I, and, you know. I didn't really find it unnerving more than funny the one that i found unnerving was donna's one like where she just melts into this puddle like the fact that she's walking over to him and then just collapses into it it's that's kind of creepy yeah but again i sort of what gave it away not even i didn't even get to the flux bit before i clocked it it was when she went look my hand doesn't stretch and even though it's Donna, that doesn't seem like a normal person thing to do, especially mm-hmm. Donna, because I think it, it's like it's like when the doctor's trying to choose which one's the real one when he's leaving. Donna doesn't go for sort of the, like the most obvious route, really. Because, mm-hmm. of course, instead of it just is, it's more the it's the name of a vegetable being given to a woman i mean i was going well because it's mr bean it's like mr yeah. bean that's what i, that's what I mm. thought I at. but um i think especially about like we've talked earlier about it but these but the fact that the doctor is you know a character who has, for years in the show has not opened up about their feelings and he opens up about how he feels about the flux, about the timeless child, about everything. And just to have it be that that wasn't actually his friend. And obviously, mm. you can see what warrants that response of him slamming the doors. And I did find it funny how some of the um, slightly more toxic fans towards uh, last era, who were like, oh, crapping on this one before it started. I did find it funny how some of them kind of felt a bit silly the fact that the scene that they mocked from the trailer was a direct response to something that happened in their favorite era so i did find that the irony of that quite amusing but um no i think like we said earlier i loved that they touched upon jody's era there i really do i think you know um out of any doctor jody deserved it because i think I think, you know, the best way to handle a new era of Doctor Who is build upon the last one. And I think that that's another way that it has sort of done that. Yeah, I totally, I hear all that. And I think it's it's something which I think is always great to see that, like you say, it should be building on the previous era and, you know, taking things and working with it. So it was great to see that. Right. I'm I'm dying to say it. So I got a few head cannons or fan theories I want to throw past you all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, these not things. Okay. This episode is in a way a sequel to Midnight. Okay. And in my head, these not things are connected to the Midnight Entity. And if you're gonna do a sequel to Midnight, this is how you do it. I disagree. Okay. I think. If you did, if it was revealed to be that, I think it'd cheapen Midnight. I think Midnight is a perfect story, and it just shouldn't be touched, and especially not by something that I think tries very hard to be what that was and kind of falls short. Because I don't feel like a lot of people have said this is an episode that feels like it's trying to be its own thing, and I I think it's not. It's trying to be the next midnight or the next heaven sent whereas those episodes they weren't trying to be the next anything they were just trying to be 
a good story with good performances and they succeed because of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i suppose really i'm thinking more about it something which tries to copy or you know become like something else it's a indescribably oh, yeah. being that's that's the sort of thing where i can see a connection there with it okay yeah, okay i'll throw someone else for you okay the hads okay Talis has been in situation after situation where really, you know, yeah, maybe the, the hads might have come or what have you, but yeah, obviously I know it's because it's rebooting in this situation itself. I think rather than it just being the situation itself, the reason the TARDIS goes is so the not things can't become it or try and copy it in the same mm. way. Because I think that, you know, they would be much more akin to something like the TARDIS, which has this sort of um, undescribable power in the same sense that they do, than just taking on the physical form of, you know, two characters. I, 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 that's actually a very that's interesting, interesting theory. That is, yeah. Put forward. Um, that is interesting. Um, I think, you know... Yeah, because the TARDIS is a living thing, and it like the episode sort of lays out very clearly. Those they copy living things, so that's that's uh, that's actually quite an interesting theory. And I, 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 I really like that theory because it really does explain why the TARDIS would disappear in this situation, and not why mm. does it not dis- disappear when the Daleks invade Earth for the thirteenth time. You know, it's like, no, this is something where it's like, okay, Mm. these are creatures that they can recreate aspects of a person. Well, what if it can recreate aspects of Of the thing? Yeah, something that can travel through time. As soon as, as as soon as, yeah, I was going to say, Catherine for listeners. Yeah. You know, we lost Catherine a couple of times there during the call. She's rejoined us now as the not Catherine. (laughs) <laughs> which is excellent. Love it there. I was just Hello, saying, Catherine, I'm not you missed. You were. Uh, <laughs> Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Be suspicious. <laughs> I'm just saying, Catherine is the imposter. I saw her vent. Nice. <laughs> Sus. Right. Okay. I was saying, Catherine, I had a theory, another theory regarding the, uh, uh, the not things, and that is that the HADS activates on the TARDIS because the TARDIS recognizes them and doesn't want to be copied by them because it's uh i feel oh. like they would have been more akin to the tardis itself being these indescribable creatures and themselves and the tardis itself is a living thing so it disappears so that they can't copy it and go away as they want to willy-nilly you know they're that's forced smart. to yeah so that's what i think it is that's very i like that theory a lot mm. i mean a lot of people didn't know why it went away and why it came back because the creatures are still there. But like, if if the creatures could be the TARDIS, having ultimate access to like weapons of warfare and like the time vortex, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. a very dangerous. Yeah, you, know, you know, they're they're in this situation, whereas they were before with which whatever the previous crew was on this thing, where mm-hmm. they would have had the opportunity to take on an actual cor- you know corporal form of a physical creature the TARDIS is I mean we see a box don't we but it's actually transdimensional it is alive it's so many different things you know in a different dimension if they could copy that the universe is screwed 
Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah. I feel vindicated. Um, obviously, <laughs> it's explained in the episode because the creatures are out of time. But if it's the one sort of hole in your theory is if it's worried about them copying it, surely it could have returned after the bit where it says the copy of the Doctrine Donna is nearly complete. Because mm. obviously... Nah. From what we've been, from what the dialogue says, you know, they were copying the captain, but because the captain was incomplete, that's why they're copying the Doctor and Donna. And we don't know if they can copy multiple times after they've fully copied someone. Mm-hmm. So, but um, it is interesting to think about. Mm. I'll take that. I'll take that. Because yeah. as soon as I thought of that, I was like, oh, that's a. Uh interesting idea because i do you know i I think the episode is fantastic and i think that that's the reason you get rid of the tardis in this situation you know because you know usually they won't go to the extent of being like all the hads has been thing you know it'll be x y or z that lead the you know them not being able to go back to the tardis or it'll just be like oh we don't want to go back you know so it's yeah you know i I like it and even i mean thank god the hads has been used again Mm. you know I think the Hads needs to be used in a lot more Doctor Who stories because I think, especially the way they did it with this, by putting the screwdriver in the door because it takes away the screwdriver as well. That's yeah. really mm. clever as well, yeah. yeah. Particularly was, after, after an episode where the... Star Beast. After Star Beast, where, the, where the, you could have said the Sonic has become too overpowered, for it, it to was. instantly be gone, then, yeah. you know... Because, um, yeah, I... I I do think like all the force fields and stuff were too much for the screwdriver. I think very, very different opinions there, but uh, carry on. <laughs> I think there's yeah. one thing that we haven't discussed, which is almost an elephant in the room. Mm. Which, before we go into it, is it, we do need to issue said trigger warning that what we're going to discuss um, concerns the fate of the captain. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say the word initially because I don't want to trigger anyone listening. But yes, yeah, their yeah. self sacrifice. I think that's the best way to describe it as that. Yes, yeah. I, I think you've done very well with that. Yeah, and I think I've seen people who are not who have not responded to it well, and I didn't think it went down well. And on my rewatch tonight, this was the scene in particular that I really paid attention to because, of course, I said it's very odd what I felt. I felt very odd after my first watching because Donna has been portrayed as arguably sort of the most sympathetic and empathetic companion of the lot. Like, this is the companion who heard the Ood song of captivity and broke down in tears and begged for it to be taken away. This is the companion who, you know, um, championed the importance of all life, no matter, you know, state, um, position, like in society or race, whatever. And now Donna, on my rewatch, I did notice that Donna seems a bit shell-shocked, but Donna doesn't really make any sort of comment on like sort of how horrible it is. And the doctor is even worse. Yeah. Um, there's actually a line where he says, Well done, Captain. And granted, it's 
he's obviously referring about what the captain's plan was. But that's not really the best sort of thing to say after finding out this character has sacrificed themselves to stop these monsters. And I think... Yeah. yeah. didn't pick not, up on that, but yeah. It's definitely I... not helped how... It's not like, for example, I know that that scene is not self-sacrifice, but we have, for example, the closest thing that I could think of with regards to the character is, let's say, Ida Scott in The Impossible Planet, and they see her they see her body floating outside in space uh, like the captain's one. And because of how upsetting it is, they shut the gut, um, the, like the, um, they shut the shutters basically. Yeah. Whereas for the remainder of the scene, including the bits where the doctor's like, well done. And Oh, the captain was so clever to do this. The body's in the background and it's floating there. And it yeah, really, yeah. It doesn't sit right. I I think there should have been a bit where Donna just says, "I'm I, it, it's too upsetting for me to look at." Yeah. Can you close the shutters? You know, I do think as well. Uh, sorry, sorry to jump you there, Robin. But I'll let you no. speak. So I do yeah, think yeah, yeah. that with you know we're speaking of this theme, and I think it's great that we're referring to it as self sacrifice here. With this theme, I feel that there should have been a trigger warning at the off. You know, viewers may find um, themes in this episode upsetting. You know, and that's something to speak to in this really i think that's a very valid conversation i've seen some people say you know on twitter so robin mm. go on you were gonna say no i was actually gonna say because um i've been watching all these episodes with my family because they've been really keen about this return of doctor who and seeing what it's like joining in on the 60th and uh for this episode it was me my parents and my girlfriend all sat on our sofas, all watching the TV together. So it's a very, very juxtaposition between Star Beast, which is kind of adventurous and fun and glory. And then it's like, oh, oh, not your cat or Oliver. <laughs> mm. And then you get to that scene in particular. And like my girlfriend, bless her, was very upset by that, very affected by that. And um, like she, was enjoying the episode, but definitely that kind of moment just really kind of turned the dial down for her. And she was just like, mm, mm. just like you could tell that yeah. it just noticeably dipped. And it's... you could kind of feel that palatable. I'm um, sorry it's if that's not of... the right word, but just in the so whole. I think room. it kind of feels a bit tone deaf. And like, um, I think, you know, now granted, um, and one thing I will come back to later a bit of a more appropriate time is the music throughout is phenomenal. And the music, the music really seems to be the only thing that gives that moment the weight and sort of like what isn't deserved. But I also think you could very well make the case, and I actually believe it myself, that there shouldn't have been any music over that. I think mm. it's one of the few moments in Doctor Who where it's just like it should be left in silence. And I think Yeah. Mm, I, I don't agree with think, you on that one. Mm, I don't mm. think it's handled in the most respectful way for yeah, that's viewers at home who might have had experience with mental health, including um 
the S word that we will not say. And I think, I yeah. yeah, sorry, I think especially, I think you're right. It, it not only from that point of view, but as well, they're they're sort of on the edge where they are, staring into into the complete blackness of space, and that was that was something that actually made me quite scared in the episode. Just the complete darkness outside the spaceship. Um. And I think you're all, I, I agree with everyone's points about sort of the emotional beats being being wrong because you've got this sort of moment at the start of the episode where obviously the Doctor comforts Donna and it's not drawn through because we know that, that Donna's terrified this whole time. Um, and I think it would have been a good, you know, reminder that, that Donna is human, the same person that, that cried at the Ood. And she is still terrified. And I think at that part of the episode where they start figuring it out, it loses the suspense, and he, even though it should keep going. So, yeah, with yeah. both those things, I do, looking back, I didn't realise at the time, but it does, feel, it does feel odd. It does feel really odd. I think, and what I noticed on this viewing, which absolutely floored me i was shocked i was like oh god that's bad and it's one of the reasons i hate the joke even more the mavity joke is used like within two minutes after the discovery of the captain and i'm just thinking i'm just i was just sat there thinking you know it's a it's a crap joke but we get that sort of joke in doctor who we've had it for years but that is the time you chose to chuck it in there as mm -hmm. like it's like you know i've already said you know the characters should have reacted more to that scene and should have shown a bit more emotion but for them to crack jokes in the immediate sort of if they if they took world, that joke and put it in a different scene i think it would have been more effective yeah, but or, the a, fact or a different context after, yeah 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 but it's the yeah. fact that they chose to sort of place that joke. Like the joke is repeated multiple times throughout the episode. Kind of gets funnier. It, it kind of gets less funny as it goes on. But that's just the pinnacle of it going from not really a funny joke to. Mm. Like I am um, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't noticed that on my original watch because I think that would have soured my original view of this episode mm -hmm. even more. Yeah, it does it does lose a couple of points for me there as well with it. And I, I think I feel very proud of us now with a very adult discussion about this. Uh, but I um I think, you know, obviously to anyone who is affected by that stuff at home, um, you know, I think all of us would recommend just talk to someone and i think all of us would be happy to talk to anyone who does struggle with that sort of thing yeah yeah well said. yeah very well said um okay moving let's on. uh yeah let's move away from it now let's go to something in the episode which i think brought every doctor who fan joy and i'm talking of course about when the doctor used the tardis like a skateboard oh <laughs> I I loved that. Like I I was a bit fed up with the episode on my first watch, but I was grinning like I was grinning with glee. <laughs> like a fun like, slide. 
Mm, so I mean, cool. just, just need to really add the sound effect of it. Instantly, I thought of Back to the Future too. Instantly, oh, yeah. when we did it, I was mm. like, "Well, no." What um, what I really loved. Um, so one thing I noted down in my notes, which I picked up on because they sort of address it later, was I was like, if the Doctor learns the language, like at least the base code of the language from the numbers one to ten, why didn't he pick up on the countdown sooner? And the reason they give for it is a bit, eh, you know, oh, I've just not heard them out loud. Eh. But then yeah. you have the TARDIS making the most dramatic entrance. Does it just, you know, fade in as usual? No, it comes down from the sky like a gift from heaven, spinning around. Playing it's just, while yonder. Yeah, yeah, it's so extra and I love yeah. it for that. Yeah, and um, just yeah, then the skateboarding was mm. <laughs> that's great, and it leads into again one of my favorite parts of the episode is where you have the doctor and he can't figure out which Donna is the right one, and he even takes the wrong one into the TARDIS. Yeah, I, even my even my dad muttered, like, Oh, he's just gonna kill off Donna, and it was like. I knew it wasn't going to happen, convinced. but at the same time... I was but... so scared, because you didn't... see the explosion coming closer. And... Yeah. Mm. Oh, I... My science brain kicked in, and I went, that explosion should have reached there ages ago. Everyone else complaining about the science of um, what colour Isaac Newton was. No, I was concerned about the science of how fast an explosion was travelling. Took me out right. of the episode completely. It's in space. All right, all Professor Brian. No, it's um, a space explosion. They work differently to regular yeah. explosions. Yeah. Um, Donna should have been blown up straight away because the the actual explosion <laughs> would have come closer. And, you know, in but, much faster time than that. Yeah, but no, the um the Special thing, Jack. the like that bit is great, and I think uh, personally, I think they should have had the balls to just. I like kill her off there and then just completely... I think that would have been right. really cool. Here's the thing though. We had a fake out in the Star Beast. Yeah. We had a fake yeah. out in this. I'm worried. They need to do it. They need to. I feel like they need to. I think they should have done it here. And it, it would have been shocking and awful. And imagine an episode where the doctor realizes he made the mistake. There's no one doing it. He, it's a total gut wrench. It's awful. If he'd realised that, and her going back to her family, but she'll never you, see her family again. You, 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 hang on, Kat, because you know what we need now? We need a turn left type story in which he kept that Donna oh, and we have all those excellent follow on. Finish, I'm, I'm just saying, come on, come on. Just I mean, the I was excited. We, I was really looking forward to those five box sets of Jimbo, but alas, <laughs> wasn't meant to I'm, be. I'm not going to comment. There are 10 whole what, countdown seconds. On, um, what you said about um, what's going to happen with Donna next episode, because of course I've seen several leaks. I think I've pretty much had it spoiled for me so i'm gonna keep quiet but um going back to the episode in hand uh while blue yonder i um they if i felt um you know if i felt that the sort of intimidation from the not things wasn't completely gone for me 
the bit where the fake Donna goes down the slide in the TARDIS. <laughs> oh, I, I loved it. I was I just like, he just, I, and then, I just, I, 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 I was just like, oh, because it was like, there's this, there's the bit where they're confronting each other, all of them in the room, and then there's the revolving wall, and they're like, oh, we're good, good, and then it revolves back round again. At that, and then the sliding down the ramp, it felt a bit too Scooby-Doo for me. Uh, Doctor Who is Scooby-Doo. What are you talking about, Oliver? I loved it. I want it with I want it with the Wilhelm scream. I want it with the Wily Coyote. Look. <laughs> um, <laughs> dunk. Yeah. I mean, I just was like, oh. And I thought, you know, um, but obviously then we had the scene in the TARDIS. Yeah. With them comforting each other. Yeah, I love that so much. He doesn't even say I'm sorry. He shows it by just them, you know, embracing underneath the console. It's just so it's, it's beautiful. It's yeah, so it's one of those amazing. silence speaks louder than words moments. It's it's a wonderful moment. And um yeah, I um that touched me a little bit. Um after you know, um, it was probably where the episode picked up again for me on my original view. And we talked a lot of parallels between this episode and Midnight, but what was really nice about this as an extra parallel is throughout Midnight, the doctor takes away from that experience and he's he hates it. Like when Donna repeats that word yeah. and he's like, No, just no, like. Only he's gone through that. Mm. This is an experience that they have both just gone through. Exactly. They both feel it. And it's like, oh, they're, they're yeah. still trying to get over it. Um, but yeah. Because he refuses to address what happens in midnight. And then immediately after you have it reversed around with turn left. And because of the events of Stolen Earth and stuff, Donna doesn't have time to really address it. I mean, she kind of might have done off screen you know, where the Doctor's poking at the time beat, so... But um, it's the fact that, like, again, their sort of penultimate adventures in Series 4, they go through this trauma and they can't even talk to each other about it. They just want to move on. And compare that to their penultimate adventure here, where instead they comfort each other, they hold each other, and they give each other sort of the love and support that they needed. It's it's beautiful. Mm. And then, mm. but then we get um, a little bit of a backstep for the Doctor where he refuses to talk about. Yeah, that was that was just his third, that was just his thirteenth Doctor coming out. Yeah, no. but I think <laughs> I think it shows it's coming. I think it shows that it is talked about, and it it it's planting the seeds of something that yes. you will talk about that's more emotionally satisfying in a bigger yeah. in a bigger moment perhaps i think so exactly it, it's like in the star beast we had the you know you know wait till i tell the boss and that's going to be picked up and shoot his era you know in this we've got that that flux survivor's guilt which is you know it's the, it's the new time war you know time yeah. war so it's the rani that we saw on set jack 
You know, when we saw the it Rani is, on the set. Well, the, yeah. yeah, we saw it's, the Rani um, on set. We did, yeah. yeah. Well, of course, um, there was that rumour a few months ago, and obviously I don't want to discuss rumours on here for people who want to avoid them. But um, obviously there was a way that apparently the timeless child is going to get touched on in um, Shooty's era. Yes. Um, Good. Let's actually do something with it. Yes. Well, obviously, the way they they would decide, I, I think, instead of a narrative thing, they decided to make it a character thing. So, uh, skip ahead. Jack will uh, put in what timestamp to skip to. I'm sure he can do that. Oh, wow. You're the man. Oh, wow. But um, the rumor was because Ruby Sunday is um, an Ooh. orphan, as we've been uh, we've been told about her character already. That the doctor and her will grow their bond will grow through that shared experience of not knowing where they came from. And I think that's mm. that's arguably the perfect way to use the timeless child going forward. Yeah. As I completely agree with that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. A character really good. Rather than a story narrative. I I'd also love to see but doing that the parallels of talking about, you know, the doctor essentially being an adopted character and Ruby probably being adopted as well mm-hmm. because then you can look at the the very toxic character of Tetayun, which you know I'd like to see maybe yeah. something done there you know we might probably fucking not because eh. but um you know it'd be interesting to see that as well so yeah I'm looking I'm I, I'm excited about the timeless child mm. I never thought I'd say that I'm excited yeah. about the timeless child if it gives me crumbs Oh, if that rumor, <laughs> yeah, if that rumor's true, I'm thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think this episode leans toward that being the case. So fingers crossed, mm-hmm. we have that, and we have the real moment that every Who fan punched the air. They touch down back in Camden Market. Mm-hmm. Who's there waiting for us? Mm-hmm. Dobbed like a baby. Balled my oh, eyes out. I did. I think. I think we all did. It was just so. You know. I think I would have done. It was anyway. beautiful to see John Cena, or not see him at least. You know, <laughs> he was in the background, just going, "You can't see me." But no. Um, obviously, Bernard Cribbins. Bernard Cribbins. Wilfred mm, yeah. Mond. Oh, oh. The moment so, he appeared, I was gone. I was in tears. Was, I was turned around in the tears. episode that my family needed. I was yeah. I was bubbling, right? I was bubbling and look, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be real here. I have the past 18 months I've lost my two closest grandparents. I have, and I've always when when Bernard died, it was only a couple months after my granddad passed away. And when I watched Doctor Who back then, I when you know when Bernard was in it, I I saw my granddad in wealth so mm. i had a very personal connection so when bernard passed away i felt that sort of pain you know sort of again i did so it was very it was very special for me to see that in the episode and i was already bubbling the minute he sees the doctor and he saw his oh. face sort of scrum i that's that was it that's when i just Wept yeah. openly. Mm. Just I cried in my big garlic and herb dip from Domino's. I got a big one as well. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to love the garlic and herb. Every well, time you had, you had no, I think... garlic and herb. 
oh, I, I'm so <laughs> gutted they didn't actually do that, that that wasn't a real thing. But I think quickly, you know, in memoriam to Bernard Cribbins, yeah. um, as the doctor puts it, me old soldier, I think, you know. We oh, should... damn straight. Oh, I think we should all do a salute. 07's in the chat for him. You know, we 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 will genuinely miss you, Bernard. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, and I think, as it was so, I think we probably all knew it was going to happen. But the fact that they had a dedication, a memoriam to him in the credits as well, was so necessary and so beautiful. And that that just that just set me off again. That did. You know? mm. I didn't see it the first time I watched it because I was still eyes filled with tears. I was just oh. like, <laughs> no, um, I am. Um, I I I re- so when I rewatched it today, I was watching it with my sister who hadn't seen it yet, and I was like, I can't cry at this because my sister's going to turn around and go, "You wimp!" But uh, <laughs> my sister was tearing up quite a bit as well. <laughs> well, oh, bless can you. I can I just say to that for a second? Although we are big advocates on this podcast that men can show emotion, it is okay to cry. So yeah. I will not take that for a second. You know, big boys can cry. Yeah, mm. I cry a lot. <laughs> yeah, me it's, too. I think <laughs> it was just what the episode kind of needed as that kind of way to sort of deflate the tension, sort yeah. of bring back this wonderful character. And like I mentioned it just a moment ago, but to have like, oh, the whole room just go really down mm. with that. Deflate the tension? Really, yeah. I don't know um, what you were watching, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, just like you you see this face uh, of joy, you see his reaction is light up, and you're just like, oh, that's what we needed. Just this yeah. this miles back on our faces. And you know, that's just before shit goes down. Um yeah. which shit certainly went down like oh. full on airplane crashing, and it's like, yeah. what the My fuck is going God. on? They've set up that. They've set up the giggle well. I'm gutted. Yeah. I'm not going to be back next week to talk about it. <laughs> like, I was just there, like I was just. You like, don't want me on next week. Think. <laughs> 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 bring us back. This is like the ultimate foursome. Like, excuse you, me. Oh, <laughs> you, you asking you know, me to be your master? It's, it's a... Stop. <laughs> 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 this is. This is the fantastic four we've got here. No, um, no, um, you know, it, it, it well, well, we'll come I to talk about the giggle in a bit. Maybe, you know, maybe there's I an opportunity that you can, you know, perhaps send your thoughts into the podcast. We're going to play them in the space, mm. the time telegraph bit when we get to that. So, mm. but, that, yeah. um, but that brings me back to a point I brought up earlier that I said I'd get back to at a more appropriate time the music. And my God, the first bit of music I want to talk about, the undeniably the best bit of music, the Toymaker theme that turns up at the last little clippings of the episode. My God, that sounded like chaos unfolding. And, oh, like the orchestral sort of choir. Like I know Russ, I know um, Murray Gold used it in plenty of shows before, even in the original run of Doctor Who. But in my opinion, it's never sounded better. It um it reminded me of what a lot of people said that it reminded them of, of years and years, sort of this impending doom sort of music that he does. And, oh, but, like, think of all the music we got in this episode. The Flux theme came back. Um, 
I am the doctor. I heard that. And there was my little bit of vindication. And as I told you guys in the break, whoever sent me the picture of Matt, um, of David Tennant with the long chin and said, Ollie, here's your Matt Smith cameo. I'm coming for you. I will find you. You have actually reminded me of something as well, which broke my heart on on rewatch as well, because I saw it on Twitter and Kat, I actually sent it to you as well. Because the fucking music from Face the Raven plays mm. when like the bit from where where Clara gets hit by the Raven, Face the Raven, it actually plays in the scene where the Doctor and Donna are in the TARDIS just before they go out and meet Wilf. And yeah. that kills me. Oh, but it was, you know, and I think I noticed it in Star Beast, but I again noticed it more here. Murray Gold has come back and said, yes, I'm back. And I'm going to pay homage to what I've done before, but I'm going to create new sounds. But what's yeah. brilliant, and I can't champion him enough on this, is the fact that he's not ignoring the past five years. He's gone. I know there's a lot of people who enjoyed Sagan Akinola's music. I'm going to incorporate some of his themes, some of his ideas with the music into the new themes. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Like, I um, I was a bit, for me, Akinola's score was a bit more hit and miss. I did. There are tracks that I absolutely love, tracks I didn't like as much. But the fact that, you know, Murray Gold as a composer has gone, I'm going to, you know, bring in some of the wonderful work that this man has done. And he did do some wonderful work and put it into my own and inject it into my own. So we get this almost complete Hooniverse sound of post-2005 music. It's beautiful. It's it's amazing. It is. And I love... He's showing more restraint with it as well. We actually have some moments where there's... You know, you look at, you look at series one to four, there's music playing at every single instance pretty much you know there's not so much with this now and i love that because mm -hmm. as well i'm gonna round things off now because you know we'll come to talking about the giggle very briefly in a second just to he you know maybe thoughts or feelings when we're going forward but right now we're talking about wobbly yonder i would give it a nine out of ten personally it's a low yeah, nine. I agree with that. It's a, it's a, it's a low nine. For a me. low nine. Yeah. A low nine, high it's, eight. And I, yeah, yeah. Because I, because you know what, looking back on it and having seen it twice and talked about some of the things we've spoken about here, particularly the very heavy conversation we had as well, it's it's gone down a bit in my mind. And whereas initially, where I said on Twitter, I would put it in the same sort of upper echelons as Midnight and uh, Heaven Sent. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think it's a very strong episode. I think it's very good. I don't think it's there anymore, personally. So, whereas, you yeah. know, whereas you, you know, although your opinion improved a bit, my opinion has lessened so. And I think that yeah. there's always going to be a new bias, isn't there? So, yeah. I, I, I need to recognise yeah. that myself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, Robin. I, it's, it's funny it is, because the Star Beast, for me, sets such a high standard for where these are going. And I absolutely really enjoyed this episode i think there were some phenomenal moments with atmosphere with acting just these two actors playing off each other for so much of the episode whereas the last one had such a huge cast of characters and 
it's interesting because the last one I gave like a really high eight out of ten, and this one I feel like I'm going to give it like a solid eight out of ten. Like because I personal preference, I st- I enjoyed the Star Beast more. I think it did so much for first episode in terms of introducing new people to Doctor Who in terms of introducing this brand new triumphant 60th and this one you know maybe there are moments of this which stand up better for certain reasons um but actually like a solid eight out of ten that's fair that's fair cat what about you i'm gonna have to agree an eight out of ten um with the the background of me you know, going into it, the concept of bringing back they return and Catherine Tate doesn't work. I don't enjoy it. And yet, it, it's an 8 out of 10, just on its own as a Doctor Who episode for me. Cool. Debbie Downer. Well, <laughs> you're going to be excited to know that my score has changed for a third time. So, um, on my initial watch, I have been very vocal about this, and some people have threatened to come to my house i'm kidding they have not i'm not in any kind of danger i want to clarify that no uh people have been very confused because i initially gave this episode a two out of ten then earlier today after my rewatch i gave it a four slash a five out of ten but after you know finally having what i would say is a proper talk through about this episode and through this talking and sort of picking up on more things that I missed and sort of more sort of things that you guys have observed, which thinking back on it, I can say I saw, I am going to move the wild blue yonder to a Jack's got it right. Six out of 10. I agree with Robin uh, in the fact that, it's not really my cup of tea, and I do think what the Star Beast did sort of gelled with me more. But of course, that's the thing about opinions. They're all valid, unless it's, you know, one for the wrong reasons. Here, here. Here, here. here. Right. Before we come to, I'm going to say it straight away, we haven't got any space time telegraphs this week because I forgot to ask for them. It's fine. Um, the giggle. I'm going to get a very quick sentence from you all in a minute, but I just wanted to say something very quickly that just today uh, it's come out from Doctor Who magazine. Russell Davis says that that there will be controversial events in the giggle. If you watch the commentary on iPlayer, I unroll a whole new Doctor Who mythology for you based around the events taking place. The commentary will have information that will rock the world. It's a whole new way of looking at Doctor, looking at the history of Doctor Who, and I can't wait to see the reaction. Can I give my shit answer first? Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I think I've seen this film before, and I didn't <laughs> like the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly, bearing that in mind, Robin, quick one sentence prediction for the for the giggle. Oh, I think. We're going to tie in the Who reverse with all the other Doctor Who slot programming that they tried to do in the past. I think we're suddenly going to get Robin Hood appear, murdered appear, and it's going to be this big Avengers crossover. It's like, hey, Doctor, don't forget me. 
says Robert Hood as he pulls out his arrow like Hawkeye. It just shoots the oh. giggle. Just, I mean, I mean, technically, if we look at Death's Head, Doctor Who is part of uh, Marvel anyway, so maybe we just get Spider Man appear. Yeah. Catherine, <laughs> <laughs> one sentence uh, prediction or thoughts for the giggle? Okay, a very serious answer. I'm going to say <laughs> too much, too little time, uh, potentially ruin payoffs, and I'm trepidatious to say the least. Do you know what? I'm going to say this here. It's probably the biggest RTD, David Tennant, Catherine Tate, uh, Stan, fanboy. I feel the same, Catherine. Oliver. Right. Well, oh, don't want to give too much away as the man who has heard the leaks. Um, I got given an updated version on it on the leaks um and i can say if that's the way they go with it i'm happy with it i am still very trepidatious as the two of you have very well put but i think the best prediction i can give as um big finish put it so finely and as we already said it is true earlier i think the bush is coming back so you know <laughs> thank you big finish for that the notification came up, and I um I don't know what my sister must have thought, but there we go. Um, yeah, but yeah, no. Mel Bush, Mel Bush. We we stand Bonnie Langford in this house, so love, love it. it. Let's go. I think that is a very nice way of segueing into again skipping out uh, entire section this week. We're going straight to the Cannon Buster. Right, uh, today, everyone, uh, I'm doing things a bit different with the um, with the Cannon Buster, <gasps> because I am actually going to play a little game with you all. Oh, I like a little it's game. Toy maker. It's, it's a name game. Okay. Yeah. I, am, I am referring to today, uh, Doctor Who, a short history of everyone, everything you need to know to be the Doctor. Uh, a lovely, you know, hardback coffee table book, one of the smaller ones there, which has a lot of notes f- done very much in person or in character from the Doctor. There are even ones from the 13th Doctor writing ones to uh, previous cells and previous cells writing about them as well. Lovely one I'm looking at right now from the 8th Doctor. Good to see the girls game back. You know, it's Donald Ginger and things like that. But I wanted to turn to a very interesting part of the book here, which is... Frankly, my favourite part entirely, find your Time Lord name. Oh, oh rap. Nice. I think I've done this before and it wasn't a good look for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely one here because it makes me think about, you know, canonically, if we were Time Lords, these would be our names going forward. So I'm going to do my very first one here uh, using the initials of my real surname which i will not repeat on the podcast here for different reasons um so the first thing here you have to take the first letter of your first name which gives you a title of either professor the lord or grand and then the first letter of your surname will either give you the venturer or or sorry it will give you venturer venturer or saint or winner or explorer or shield or infinite or challenger or meteor and on and on from there. So my Time Lord name would be, everyone, the 
Golven. The what? What? The G-O-L-V-E-N. I am the Golven. And if that doesn't just scream to you as like really irrelevant, like janitor time lord working the citadel, then I don't know I'm, what I'm, does. I'm sorry, I heard Please, the you know gopher. And I was like, wait, are you no, like it's, a, it's, a furry little animal? <laughs> the Golven, Robin, which is again G O L V E N. I have oh, to look up what Golven means, to be honest. Yeah, same, yeah. same. Well, well, will you do that, Robin? Yes. Robin, your time lord mm. name is Lord Infinite. Ooh. Oh. Oh, I think I should be known as that for the rest of this podcast. That's pretty, that's pretty, I'm not going to lie, my lord, that's pretty fucking badass. Mm, No, quite so, quite so. That is a damn good one. Jack, so it's a verb which means to cause hair to curve first one way, then the other. (laughs) So basically, (laughs) you are a Time Lord hairdresser. Oh my god, I love that. That's Jack, I think you got wonderful. stitched up between our names. I there. think I've been, um... I've been proper. I've been mugged off, mate. Honestly, oh, god. you think yours is going to be bad? I'm going to be properly violated. I can already feel it. <laughs> okay, uh, Catherine, let's come to you next. So, obviously, oh. ooh, yours is based on this here, the, also a the title. Based on the uh, falling of your first name or your last name, you are called the Dective. The Dective? Yeah, the Dective. D E X T I V E. Dective. Or Dective, yeah. I know, right? Right. I've now got to look up what the Dective means. Yeah, is that like yes. the Dective person? What is that? I'm not the sure entirely. It sounds like you. It sounds like the detective, but you just couldn't afford the middle part. (laughs) Wait, so how was it spelt again? uh, How was it spelt again, Jack? D e x t i v e. Oh, dextive. Okay, dextive. Right. Let's. I imagine it means that you're quite dexterous. Dexterous. Yes. As in you'd I'm be, skilled. you know, you'd be, yeah, you know, I'm skilled you, I, especially with my hands. Apparently, I'm sure. I'm sure your D and D character will appreciate that. You know, yeah. I like 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 the reference. Um. Oh God, let's get this over with. Right, <laughs> Oliver, Oliver Smith, Oliver Smith. Right, so thank o you. Would, I'm going to get docked. O would also give you Lord. Okay. Okay. Good so start. That's a good start. Smith is your last name. Your name would be Lord Force. <laughs> oh God, God, yeah, that sounds. That makes me sound like I'm um, a member of the House of Lords, and I fucking uh, awful. Mine sounds like a crime. <laughs> I mean, actually, yeah, no, I, 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 I rather. On it. I was good. <laughs> I feel like Robin got the best, uh, the best one here. I mean, Lord it's not going to inflate my ego, but it's definitely going to inflate my ego. Mm. That uh, Lord um, Infinite, like that's I, like a I Doctor do... Strange type title. <laughs> I do recommend anyone that wants to find out their uh, their their Doctor name or Time Lord name to go and pick up this book because that's just one wacky part of it. There are so many lovely little things in this, but and probably things I'll come back to in the future as well. I need to change uh, my name. 
So it's not worth it. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure having <laughs> both yourself, Kat, and both you, Oliver, on the uh, podcast here. Um, before we go, Kat, I know you've been on like three or four times at this point anyway, but do you want to plug anything before you go? You know what, Jack? I do. Um, now, I've plugged this before, but I'm plugging it again at an even more crucial time because the history between a zine is still on sale for digital and audiobook orders. Jack has one in his hand. Very shiny, very lovely. And Beautiful. by the time this podcast comes out, we'll probably announce that we're actually going to open the orders for round two. And we do have a date. It's January the 2nd. So if you would like to get your hands on a physical copy of The History Between a Zine, uh, all, all doctors, all masters, going to couples counselling to save the universe. It's 90,000-ish words of story for the most affordable price you've ever seen, plus a charity donation. It's it's pretty damn good. Um, and you should get it. And make me pack more so we can raise a whole lot of money for charity. So yeah, check it out. Mm. Also make Cat's life a bit of a hell because she yes, can't currently can't currently move around her room because of all the mm. goddamn things she has to pack and send out. So yeah, you all better buy it. I know I have <laughs> lies, but I I have it, and I am a very big fan. Uh, Oliver, anything you'd like to plug before we go? Your celestial toy maker remake. Shut up i've had enough of this now <laughs> you've been lording this over me for over a year i lit i didn't think i was going to get 500 likes all right but yes i do have <laughs> i do have working storyboards that i've been starting recently for it so yes it is on the way yes it will be coming and yes it's going to have a little commemoration in the bottom saying and no thanks whatsoever to Mr. Jack Alexander. What I would like to plug is my TikTok. Have a little check out. <laughs> um, you know, I do loads of fun little stuff on there. I rank doctors very unpopularly. I uh, review Doctor Who figures. If you're interested in those, check that out. And, you know, um, I've decided that if... By my birthday, we hit 500 followers. I will uh, pick one lucky winner to uh, get a £30 gift card for Big Finish. So, Ooh. you know, okay. you've got until 15th of February to give me a little follow. And um, if we Jack's hit the 500, I'll give you some more information. You're right okay. over there. You're right. Oh, come on, Jack. There's no need to cry. <laughs> I, had to, oh, I, had, I had to mute my mic because I was laughing that much. I'm a funny guy. Give me the third co-host job. What is it with people coming on this podcast and trying to take it over? Like literally, like Jack Reeves did it way back in the day, and it's, it's just, well. And hey, you... to be well, to be fair, I mean. Uh, <laughs> How'd you like that, sucker? <laughs> no, okay. I, yeah. um, well, thank you so much for joining us, Cat and Oliver, to talk about Wild Blue Yonder. Thank Absolute you for pleasure. having me. 
as always. Yeah, yeah. as always. Uh, I'm sure it's you're been great having you both. I'm sure you'll be, but you'll both be back on at some point anyway. Uh, Love Robin, you, big boy. Robin, thank you as always as well, my uh, intrepid traveler and uh, obviously supreme Lord Infinite. Damn straight. Oh, Supreme Lord Infinite. Oh, careful, Jack. You you have to call me this now for every single podcast we do. Just Yeah, that's not happening. No. Why has uh, his laptop suddenly got higher? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I've been Jack. I've been Robin. The cat and Oliver. This is with a little foot running. Keep running. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Thank you for listening to an awful lot of running a Doc 2 podcast. And thank you to Hudson Music for our wonderful intro and outro. You can find an awful lot of running, as well as myself, Jack, and Robin over on Twitter and Facebook. And Instagram as well. So please go and give us a follow. And if you can, give us a rate, a follow, review, subscribe, whatever you can do over wherever you're listening to this, because it really does help us out. And if you fancy it, donate to our Kofi page to help us keep the lights on, which there's no obligation whatsoever, but we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Draft for now.